Hi, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. Every week, we work hard at giving you the best real ghost stories we can find for free through the podcast. But producing and maintaining the show isn't so free for us. And that's why we're asking for your support. If you like the show, please become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person through the button at realghoststoriesonline.com. As an EPP, you'll get an additional bonus exclusive episode of the show to enjoy every weekend. Plus, you'll have access to our exclusive EPP video content and backlog of exclusive EPP bonus episodes as well. It's only five bucks a month for all these extras. And your support helps to keep our daily free version of the show alive and on the air. Become an EPP now at realghoststoriesonline.com. Please and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Tonight, a mysterious classmate appears only to vanish a week later. Could this be the same red velvet ghost? A family farm is haunted by phantom animals. Could this be the ghost of a previous owner's pets? Neighbors in an apartment building can sometimes be too nosy. But what is causing all six of the previous tenants to behave in the same peculiar way? And a family tragedy leaves family members with just memories and photos of their loved ones. But why is the loved one now missing from his previous photos? Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hello. So, um, do you believe in reincarnation? Yep, I think so. You think you come back as another person and you may or may not have memories of the uh, the past? Yeah, I think I kind of do buy into that. You? I don't know. Um... I don't know. I I just I don't know. I, I and it's not to say that I don't believe in it. I'm just going. I don't know. Just the same way I don't know about why one ghost is like this and one ghost is like that, and why one can move here and one can move there. I don't know. Okay. I think it's a possibility in the realm of things. I I don't. I think there's so many things that can happen to our energy after we die. That I think that that's probably one of them. But I, I, I wouldn't say, I don't think there's ever just this black and white, here's exactly what happens to every single one of us. Sure. You know, I think that's, I, if, if you subscribe to the reincarnation, a lot of times the thought is always, well, everyone dies and everyone gets reincarnated. I don't think that, I mean, I think maybe some people can be. Maybe the energy goes in some other place. So maybe some just are ghosts. Maybe some move on to some other plane. I don't know. That's... I, I do, that's that's the thing. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow. Okay. That's my long-winded answer. <laughs> that suffice. Um, creepy story out of Virginia Beach, and you sent this to me earlier. Family is confused about what's happening with their four-year-old child. They first were skeptics and are now uh, following uh, psychological testing. They are convinced there's a ghost inside their child. And that's that to me is an interesting take on this. Uh, continuing on, U.S. Uh, Marine Sergeant... Val Lewis died in a bombing explosion on October 23, 1983 in Beirut, Lebanon. Uh, yet uh, four-year-old Andrew 
uh, now lives in, Virbin- in Virginia Beach and remembers it as his death. He's telling a uh, news station there, WTKT-TV, that he's recalling memories that no one his age should know. More questions says came up uh, when the uh, family went to uh, Sergeant Val Lewis's grave site. Andrew went right to the grave, put flowers down, and he walked to another grave and said, That's my friend, another Marine, who was buried next to Sergeant Lewis and five other soldiers that lost their lives in the Beirut bombing. That's kind of creepy. It is kind of creepy. I, I would love to, to hear a little bit more about what it is exactly that he's recalling. Because it doesn't really get into that in the article. I haven't watched the news story. There's a link to a second article there. Oh, there is? Yeah. Oh, oh I see here again. Mother tells, I say this. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. And apparently he he goes around asking, why did you let me die in that fire? That's a great question for your child to be asking. Yeah. Says he keeps saying he lived at 860 Main Street in Sumner, Georgia. Uh, I started doing some research and nothing came up until we started uh, piecing stuff together with the TV show uh, that she's working with with her talking about this. Um, We connected the information provided from Andrew and a group of Marines who died in the 83 bomb blast. Um, So there's a lot of uh, semi-accurate information coming out of this child. And how, I mean, how, I've heard of these type of stories before, not this specific one. How the hell do you explain that? You really can't. Now, to me, the proof in the pudding would be if they found the sergeant that died's family Mm -hmm. and the little boy met them. And like connected? To see if he knew anything else. Sure. And that, you know, if he starts having a conversation with long-lost loved ones from 31, 32 years ago, yeah. then there's something going on. Well, what do you think of this? Because I never really thought of this idea. Is there a ghost inside my child? Is That's almost kind of like the ghost took up residence in this child. Or is the child the person? See? That, that's so that's kind of where I go with it is... Well, if it's reincarnation, if that's what we're looking at here, and somehow the past memories have been surfaced, um, that's where I'm not thinking it's a ghost inside the child. I'm thinking the child was this person at one time, if that's the way it is. Not that the ghost came and possessed the kid and suddenly knows all these things. Right, and it doesn't tell us if the child acts possessed when those things go on or if he's just having these repressed memories come forward. I think of it more like a past life thing, like a yeah. reincarnation thing. So. Yeah, that's kind of, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I, although I did never really consider it as the ghost idea either. I don't know. Which could be, I mean, well, the whole concept is crazy, you know? I, I don't know. I just, I think of it more as a reincarnation. Uh, then that's where I naturally lean, but it's just interesting because I've never heard it Term, put that way. Yeah. So, interesting, uh, interesting story there. Uh, 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. I wonder if any of our listeners have like ever had uh, bizarre memories of a different time in a different place uh, or, or thoughts of, of possibly being reincarnated of, of in some way, shape, or form. That, to me, is kind of ghostly in itself. When we talked to the psychic at that Halloween party, mm-hmm. I almost freaked when she mentioned a ship in my past. She also thought you were a flamenco dancer. Yeah, so that tells me that I was just going to let all that go. And that I have to watch out for all the males in my workplace, which would be a cat. (laughs) (laughs) 
And he's not going to be male for that much longer no, either. No, he's not. So I'm not... Uh, yeah, uh, that was a great psychic. Uh, 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in to Real Ghost Stories Online. What I liked about the uh, the psychics uh, a thing was uh, to kind of cover the, the tracks of anything to make sure. And I'm not saying that psychics aren't real, because I, I believe some are. I also believe plenty of them are complete and utter bullshit, too. Um, that uh, to cover the whole thing, in case she was off. Now, I'm not saying that what I'm saying right now has to apply right now. It could be at any time in your future. Well, anything could happen. Any, I could tell you almost anything right now that's semi-logical, and it will happen in your future. Yeah. yeah you know, I, mean, I can be generic enough with it. You, at one time, are going to have a conflict with another female. <laughs> at some point, you're going to disagree, and you're not going to like that person. I don't know who it is, but it's going to happen. And the bowling pins are aligning themselves to tell me this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chet. Chet Jamison, the bowling psychic. That's what it is. Uh, 855-853-4802. I keep saying that. Let's go to one of our calls to uh, kick off the show here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi. Hey, Tony and Jenny. It's Scott from Portland again. Uh, I was calling today because I was thinking about some stories that I could share with you guys. And uh, I couldn't really think of anything. I've shared most of the really mean, uh, interesting stories. Because, you know, there's a lot of stories of things, just small, little things um, that everyone experiences. And I, I, I don't know. I prefer listening to everyone else's stories because they're awesome. But uh, I thought that this this one was something that, that nobody really talked about, so I thought I might share it. Um, and it's, it's kind of around revolving around the concept of uh, sort of protective stuff. Um, it's been sort of mentioned in, in a couple of different stories, um, but I thought I would share mine. When I was in college, uh, I already shared the story about my friend and the girl that we ran into at his house that followed him when he came to visit me at college. But um, And I mentioned briefly that the town where I started college when I went, my, my first college, um, was a town that had a lot of sort of supernatural activity, ghost activity in it. Well, uh, my particular university does in fact have haunted dorms, um, or the one that I was going to at the time. Uh, in fact, it's, it's so known in that area that ghost hunters from the general area, or those kind of paranormal groups, come to those dorms to do um, sort of these, these hunt things during um, during the, the break seasons when there's nobody in there because the university consolidates everybody staying during a break um, into one building or they just say you can't stay for spring break, for example, because we're cleaning or whatever. So the dorms are, in fact, empty during the break times um, so they can do these things. Well, uh, this when I started my freshman year, uh, I moved into the dorm and I was lucky enough to get into one of the really nice dorms uh, because I, I was willing to agree to live in a substance-free type housing situation where there is, uh, you know, no smoking, no drinking, that kind of thing. Uh, and that's absolutely fine for me because that's how I generally live my life anyway. So, um, you know, that was that was absolutely fine. And, and a lot of the other guys that lived in the, my, my building and, and even the girls were more reluctant, but they agreed because it was a nice place. It had its own gym, uh, you know, just, just generally cleaner, so, anyway, we lived 
in this place, and there were five floors in our particular hall, and it was attached to another hall that had five floors, and between us was the gym. So there was essentially these two buildings together, and then it connected to the cafeteria where, like I told in the previous story, all the other dorms connected to the cafeteria, and so that was sort of the main hub. But um, the there were stories of uh, people running into ghosts and having these kinds of occurrences, um, but what was really strange was that our building seemed to have a lot more activity, like our particular section had a lot more activity than a lot of the other sections. And for the longest time, we weren't quite sure why, and then one day, these stories started circulating that a particular group had at some point in time uh, done a seance in our section um, around Halloween-ish, thought it would be funny, thought that they could summon some stuff to the, the school, thought it would be cool and awesome, which, you know, that's never the right way to go about it, but uh, they did. So that was the story, and it's one of those sort of urban legendy types, and I didn't really believe it, but... Uh, uh, and one of the reasons I never believed it was because in my particular room, we never had any problems. You know, the guys on either side of us would have trouble. Um, people across the hall would have weird things happen. But we, me and my roommate, never had anything. Plus, my friend who came to stay with us, you know, he was followed by that girl. But when he was in our room, nothing. Well, anyway, uh, eventually I met these, uh, I ran into this group of people, these sort of weird alternative types, and it turned out that they were actually the ones who used to live in my floor, and they were the ones who had done the seance. And they admitted that that night it was just completely out of control, and they all ran away scared, but they never did anything to try to fix it, except that one person admitted that she had, she had carved into the doorstop of her room these um, pentagrams to protect her from whatever it was they had summoned. Well, that was a strange story, um, and, you know, it was like, okay, so that's a real thing. Um, and I didn't really think much of it again, because, like I said, we weren't really having any issues. My friend had his thing, but that had been a few months before, and that was it. Well, one day, we were having trouble with our door, um, it just wasn't closing right, and so we asked for some repairs, and they uh, they sent a repair guy, and there was something about our door jam that wasn't quite right, so he took it apart to try to see if he could, you know, just take it apart and rebuild it back in the right place. And when he took it apart, he pulled off the, the sort of inside area, and when he took it apart, there were the pentagrams. They were carved into our door frame. And my roommate and I were completely surprised, and our RA... Um, he came by when we called him, and he was completely surprised. And the worker guy said that he could, you know, replace it all or whatever. And we were, we, we sat there for a minute, and I thought about it, and I said, you know what? That might be why we're not having any sort of activity here, is because these are the pentagrams that this person carved in to protect herself. Now we're in this room, so we just we just said leave it. We're not, you know, we don't want him to go through the process. So he just rebuilt the door frame. Uh, so that the door would close properly, and from that point forward, we just moved on. But we never had any issues. So, um, the, but anyway, there. A few nights later, the guy across the hall uh, came running into. Or he came. He came pounding on our door, and in the middle of the night, we opened it up, and he had apparently had. Uh, he woke up to something in his room, and it scared the living crap out of him. And he 
jumped up and ran and came to our room because he knew that we had the uh, the pentagrams on our door. So effectively, our room became the safe room for everybody, um, well, at least for a couple of people who knew about it. So uh, anytime, and, and then the rest of the year, anytime somebody had like a really creepy thing or they felt like somebody was breathing on their neck when they were trying to get water drinking or something, they would come visit our room and just hang out with us for a while. So we started playing video games in the middle of the night with random scared people. Um, so anyway, that's my story. It's not a great ghost story, but it is a, a kind of a fun story, and it, it talks about some more of that stuff that we that we don't really talk about in the show too much, like how to deal with things. So anyway, thanks for uh, listening, and if I hear this story on the air, I will be glad, and I hope that some people out there, if you get a chance to hear it, will learn something or gain something from it. Thanks, guys. Love the show. Now, that's not to say to go start uh, putting pentagrams on your doors if you uh, feel that you have a ghost. I've never heard of them used in a positive way. So Yeah, I mean, technically, the you see them used in, uh, you know, in, in th- cases or situations where there's evil going on. Uh-huh. So a lot of times they do get kind of the, the rap of they are something evil. Or something wrong. Now, a regular pentagram is is actually a protection symbol. Okay. From uh, negative entities, or be- it's believed to be anyway, if that's what you subscribe to. There's the inverted pentagram, uh-huh. just like an inverted cross. Okay. Kind of the opposite. Okay. See, okay. I did not know that. So, and the thing is, when you look at it, I mean, unless you're always looking at pentagrams, you see it, and you're not really paying much attention to what shape it is in if it's inverted or if it's right side up uh or you know so and, and if it's on the ground good luck figuring out what where's top and where's bottom here too so um there's you know there's and there's a lot of different beliefs with the pentagram from different religions and this and that um but uh interesting story i mean it sounds like it was used in a protective way there yeah but uh obviously it was put up there to protect from something do you know Wichita State has a haunted building on campus? Really? Yeah, Fisk Hall is the oldest building on campus. It was built in 1904. Mm-hmm. They've had in paranormal investigations going on there. I think it is currently the building that houses the history department, but I'm not positive on that. That would be fitting. But it was uh, when it originally was erected, it was a men's dorm. And then later used as an infirmary during the influenza outbreak of 1918. Oh, Jesus. So there's a little history there. And then right down the road is the first Pizza Hut. Exactly. Literally. <laughs> so you can get it all. On campus. Yeah. Wow. I wonder if the Pizza Hut's haunted. By what? I don't know. Because I think the, the owners, or the creators are still alive. I think so. So, but I could see if you were the creator of the Pizza Hut going and haunting the first Pizza Hut. It's just a little shack. It's tiny. It is very tiny. That's I mean, why they call it Pizza Hut. It, it is tiny. Yeah, I mean, it, there's literally a hut. Our garden shed's about the size of the Pizza Hut. It is. Yeah. And it's it's sad because it just sits there and there's nothing in it. It's just this was the first Pizza Hut. For something no. as big as Pizza Hut, uh-huh. I would think that Pizza Hut would have, you know, like, oh, let's reopen this and, you know, at least make it like a, and not update it, but... I could see that being a real big point of attraction, especially on a college campus. You know, let's go get pizza from the first Pizza Hut. 
You know, that'd be a great drunken thought at three in the morning. Well, they have pizza in the student center. But it's, it's Pizza Hut. But it's not the same as going to the first Pizza Hut. No, but I don't think it's functional because that's not where it originally was located. They moved it there. Oh, so really? It's just standing kind of as like a little monument. I to... thought it was that was its original location. No. Why did they move it? So that it wasn't be going to be torn down. Oh, was it like in some shitty part of town? I don't know if it was it's that like three or fourths of the city, or they were going to expand the road or something. Oh, okay. Anyway, so that is it being preserved. Okay. And it's kind of a, a testament to the entrepreneurial spirit of sure. Wichita, where a lot of firsts sure. that people don't realize have started here. And then they went away, <laughs> like White Castle. <laughs> White Castle's still around, it's but just they're not, not here. here. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be a cool thing for them to make it functional. It'd be neat at lunchtime if you could just go up and yeah. get one of your personal That's pans. what I'm saying. Just make it a, it's a it's a thing to go to. Yeah, but it's it's kind of in an area that's not that heavily trafficked. If it were in a different spot on yeah. campus, I could see that. Yeah. It could be trafficked. I would go, it, would, it would create traffic. Okay. It's the Pizza Hut. Why don't you start a petition? I'm going to. As a, and then a, then a Kickstarter for it. Not a yeah. not a student, not an alumni, <laughs> just you know, lover of pizza. Okay, eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is our phone number. Bosco writes in. Also, George Costanza's password uh, for. Uh, his ATM. Uh, <laughs> hi, love the podcast. Not sure if this is considered a ghost story, but I can't stop thinking of it since I first heard your podcast. When I was in third grade living in Florida, my mother told me about a little girl called the Red Velvet Ghost. She described her as having curly, jet black, shoulder length hair, fair skin, and always wore a red velvet dress. Didn't think much about the story until... I went to a class one day, and there was a girl sitting in the back of the classroom that fit the description of the girl in my mother's story. The teacher introduced her. I think her name was Beth. This freaked me out, and I would not talk to her or uh, go near the girl. I told my mother and older sister about the girl. They did not believe me and thought I was making it up. The girl never said anything. It was only in class for a week. The teacher never gave an explanation of why the girl was no longer in class. The classmates never spoke of her after that week was as if she was never there. The boys in the class thought she was the most beautiful thing they'd ever seen. The girls disliked her for drawing the boys' attention. Can you explain this? No. Shitty parents. <laughs> what? Shitty parents. Where she's in a school for a week and then she's out? I mean, uh, bad planning. Or she's a ghost. Or she's a ghost. That's the other... If she's a living... Uh, you know... Jerking a kid around from school to school like that. Not a good thing. Okay. Because this show's called Real Ghost Stories, I'm going to talk about the ghost side of it. Okay. I think it's peculiar that in Florida, this little girl's wearing red velvet for an entire week. And she matches this description of this ghost that his mother told him about. There's a lot of grandparents in Florida. Okay. So anyway, I really think that there's something really, you know, beyond sure. your explanation of bad parenting. It would be interesting. I'm not saying that is the explanation. I'm He asked for an explanation. So, yes, ghost could be one. My alternative is that. Okay. Um, it would be interesting, and I'm, it's, probably, it's probably like a doctor record type thing, it's, you know doctor-patient confidentiality. You probably can't go, hey, can I look into the records of these this child who came to the school, you know, to see, in fact, who her parents were? Uh, you know there's what, not going to be. What the records, 
if there is in fact a record, that's what I'm getting at is what is on the record. You know, the teacher introduced the child, so mm-hmm. the child got a name somehow. Somebody introduced the teacher to the child. You know, how did I, I want just trace the paper back and see where that goes? Yeah. And I'm not saying that it's not a ghost. I'm just saying where does that lead? And and it that right there could confirm ghost. So my mom works in a school and they've had over the like 10 years that she's worked there they've had to really crack down on people that say yeah we're in the district when they're not sure and the kids will go there for a few days and then they have to change schools because they're not in the district okay maybe this child was in the wrong district and that's kind of shitty parenting knowing that your your kid could get booted from a school that they get attached to you know when instead of just doing the right thing you know right Okay. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not saying that this is that. That's my alternative for an explanation. Otherwise, yeah, ghost girl. I know better than to argue with you. So let's move on. <laughs> what? No, it's fine. I would like to see that that paper trail. It'd be interesting. I mean, did he say how long was this? This was a story from his childhood. Uh huh. So it's not like he can really probably grab those records readily. But it would be interesting. Yeah, because he's not blood related or anything. So to just go up and say, I want to find out about this girl from like, say, 25 years ago. Oh, if he shared the ghost story and the secretary at the school was also in a ghost, I could see somebody going, that's a really interesting. Let me take a look. There is no way that's going to happen. <laughs> that secretary has other things to do. She needs uh, to enter people that were sick or tardy. That's true. Gareth writes in, a few years back, my wife went out with our daughter to Warsaw, Poland to visit her parents. So I had our house to myself for two weeks. In that time, I'd already watched the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose and had to watch the Polish TV documentary on YouTube about Annalise Michelle. I think that's her name. Anyhow, a friend, uh, a friend I have is also big into death metal, like Morbid Angel, and uh, decide the uh, sh- the such like. I uh, showed him the documentary and was intrigued as it showed recorded audio evidence of the exorcisms that took place. It's occurred on a Wednesday afternoon. Come the small hours at around 3 a.m. on the Thursday morning, I heard what sounded like wood breaking right beside me in my bed. I got up as I thought there was an intruder, went to the bathroom to see if it happened in there, but the same loud wood breaking sound came from my bedroom. It happened again for the third time when I re-entered the room. Then all went silent. On Friday night, I was finishing an English course online and thought I'd take a break and went downstairs, came back after 10 minutes, and saw a toy sitting on my keyboard, which I know I didn't place there. A few nights later, I was in the same computer room, and my dog got up and stood staring into the landing hallway, uh, growling at the dark with his hair standing up on his back. I mentioned this to my friend, and he said, That's you watching these videos about possession on YouTube again weird for someone like him to say, given the fact he's a major death metal fan. The freakiest moment I had in those two weeks on my own had yet to come. It was on Saturday night, after the watching the Annalise Michelle documentary, that I went out to a bar. Before returning home, I called my father to open my house, as he had my car and key to the house. I got home and everything seemed okay until a few days later I told my dad what happened on the Thursday morning. And on the Friday night, he said that he didn't want to alarm me that Saturday night, but when he went to open the house for me, he looked through the window of the door, and he thought he saw an intruder in the stairway. As he saw a black figure going up the stairs, he ran in and switched on the light to see 
Nothing was there. My wife and I have since moved out of that house. I told the story to someone who I work with. He knows the area, and I told him everything. He asked what was the number of the house, as his brother bought the house there, and he is renovating it for him. I said, 66. He said, fuck, that's my brother's house. I, too, saw that same weird shit going on there. He told me that he saw something walking past him in his peripheral vision late one night last week while he was setting tiles. So does watching videos like that create circumstances like I've experienced? Also, do you think death metal bands conjure up evil spirits, demons, and such like? And that's the end of the letter. Um, I hope listening to different kinds of music doesn't have an impact. What do you think? I think Celine Dion conjures demons. <laughs> I wonder what's going to come out of me listening to Nirvana through the drive-thru of my minivan. Nirvana is like one of the tamest... Ba- it's funny because... Oh, I know. It's not death metal. It's funny because now, like... Remember, like, when it was considered really hard? Yeah. And now it's, like, on, like, light rock stations or, like, or the soccer mom stations. Yeah. It's like, oh. This it's used on to my be, station. Yeah, this used to be, like, really considered uh, hardcore music. Um, death metal, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't get into... I had a friend who was into death metal, a band called Cannibal Corpse, and I saw it on Rhapsody a couple weeks ago. I'm like, oh my god, I haven't seen that name since my friend uh, Sam had his cassette tape in his car when uh, I was like 17, <laughs> and I was like, I couldn't stand listening to it. Um, do I think listening to it consciously? I I don't know. I mean, there's so many people who who listen to it. Maybe in some circumstances, if there's something else around that's being called up, I could see it probably being a contributing factor to calling things in. On its own, probably not. But you remember back in the day when music like that started to come out, old people were like, that's the devil's music. Well, they thought Elvis was the devil's music, you know? Yeah. So it's it's interesting because somebody had, I had mentioned before I, I get creeped out, especially with that movie where they start naming off demons' names and stuff like that. And I, I personally get creeped out by it, but somebody else made the point, you know, this movie has been watched millions and millions and millions of times. Do you think every single time the movie is watched, demons are conjured up to each individual person? And no, I don't think that. But again, it's kind of like one of those contributing things. Um, you know, if you use a Ouija board in a haunted building uh, or a building that's known to have some sort of demonic activity going on in it, are your odds of the Ouija board working and conjuring something up probably a bit higher yes i think the same with watching a movie like that in a setting of that nature or with someone who may have something going on that you may not be aware of uh can also do that but just on its own as a piece of you know media no makes sense yeah i agree with that i think that works so there you go (laughs) thank you I'll have a, a quiz at the end of the episode. Uh, 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in. Uh, Espen writes in. Hey there, I'm Espen from Denmark. I've been loving your show since I found it, and I listen to it when I'm on the job. I grew up at a small farm in the countryside of Jutland, Denmark. Now in Denmark, countryside means about two to three miles to the nearest city. And by city, I mean 1,500 to 2,000 people max. Don't have many memories of things happening in my childhood, but still... I was and still am afraid of the dark and always sleep with the light on, even at the age of 45. Small things I do remember. One of the first is from when I was two or three years old. I had to take a nap. Anywho, I had been complaining about snakes in my bed. In Denmark, we have two kinds. 
Only one kind has venom, but is no way strong enough to make it up the stairs to the room where I was sleeping. My parents, of course, wrote it off as a bad dream. Only many years later, when I was a grown man, they told me what I myself had forgotten. When I was about to have my bath one night, they found two puncture marks in my upper arm. And I shouted, that's where it bit me. Another time I was a kid, I was awoken by the sound of all the hangers in the closet in the hallway outside my room swinging back and forth. Once, when I was 13 or 14, I laid awake for what seemed like a full night because I could hear someone breathing in my room. No, Tony, it was not a dream or that other sleep thing you always refer to, but it was mostly small things. And only I seem to experience this. Apart from a couple of times, we had the classic car lights in the driveway, but no one comes in. When I was a grown man and my parents had sold the place, my dad told me that he had witnessed our two dogs stare at the same spot on the living room ceiling. He had to pull them out, both dogs still staring at the spot. But the second they were over the doorstep from the room, they had lost interest in it. He had had other small things happen there over the years, but for some reason chose not to share. A little about the farm. My father's father bought it in the early 1930s. The history of the area before that is not known to me. My granddad died there before I was born. My mom's stepdad, who came to live with us in his late years, died there in the 1980s. My dad was a trained farmer, but was also an educated teacher and worked as such all of his grown-up life having a little bit of farming mostly as a hobby on the side. He and my mom sold the farm around 2000 and moved away, and they're both dead now. And now, the real part of this book of a letter. When selling the farm, they did it the nice way. They invited all neighbors and friends to the house to a goodbye hello party with the new owners. We also kept the hunting rights to the land for 20 years ahead, so we still visited my childhood home, my childhood home often in the years after. Then my parents died, and we lost contact with the place until four years ago when I was in the area. Went to the place and found out that it had been sold once more to a young couple. The young wife invited me in and gave me a small tour. And then she asked if I'd ever seen or felt anything there. She told me that when she moved in, their three-year-old daughter was terrified of the dog that tried to attack her all the time. This dog that only she could see was very hostile and kept the little girl out of her own room for the first three months they lived there the more they more or less had to carry her from one chair to another but after a while the lady told me it seems that their daughter and the dog made a truce and it turned into a kind of friendship and the dog showed up less and less and then the visits kind of faded away to say the least i had a chill down my spine when hearing this unfortunately the daughter had never wanted to describe the dog to her parents, so I could not tell which of the many dogs from my childhood it could be, if any. On a later talk, bless Facebook, the lady told me that their nanny had seen a shadow, the shadow of a person, in her room. I then told her that that was the room where my mom's stepdad died. Also, once when putting the daughter to sleep, the lady had felt someone sitting down on the bed with them. The daughter's room is where my parents used to have their bedroom. She had never felt that there is something bad in the house, so I hope and think that someone is just checking in on the new owners. The dog, though, makes me feel a little sad if it is one of my childhood family dogs not knowing who is there now, maybe confused and just maybe 
It was there when I visited the place and did not see it. Poor dog. Long letter, sorry. No zombie clowns. However, if you could make a little uh, inquiry to your American listeners, I worked for three years as a contractor for the USAF uh, at uh, uh, Thuddle Air Base in Greenland. T-H-U-L-E Air Base in Greenland. I should know this because I think my cousin was actually stationed there for a little while. Uh, Greenland is loaded with spirits and ghosts, according to many people. At its peak during the Cold War, the base had 17,000 people there, so there may be a few airmen out there with the story from the base. I know I do. If you would like to hear, anyway. Thanks. Keep up the good work. I should look into that, because uh, I'll ask my cousin. Yeah, that would be good. He was there for, I, I think, about a good year or so in the first part of the 2000s. Okay. So, I have never heard any ghost stories there. Uh, he's not necessarily a ghost storytelling type of guy, <laughs> but um, he he was a Ghostbuster with me when we were children, though. I bet you, though, if you ask him, he might yeah at least know. If yeah. It, uh, it, yeah. And uh, to our American listeners, we'll open that up there to see if anybody uh, else has um, has any interesting stories about that Air Force Base. What do you think about the... Uh, the house well it doesn't sound terrible except for the snake the snake's the part that bothered me the most especially finding marks you know could you imagine those parents finding marks on their child after hearing that what if the other stuff was all ghosts but the snake was really just a snake yeah i could see that and it just kind of played in because other weird shit was going on and the snake was just creepy yeah i you know, it'd be interesting to know how the snake got up there. Sure. But, oh. yeah, having those physical bite marks would be very unsettling. Yeah, I think I'd be, like, exterminating every single part of the house. It'd be like one of those where on Breaking Bad where they put the whole tarp over the house. <laughs> yeah. If, if there's a snake, you know, trying to bite my children, um, it, it's going to be... Uh, they can make meth in the basement. I don't care as long as the snakes are gone. <laughs> so, 855-853-4802. That's the phone number. Jess writes in, hello, Tony and Jenny. About eight years ago, my boyfriend and I moved into this dilapidated apartment building between Eau Claire and Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Kind of out in the country. Yeah, a little bit. That's up there. That's up uh, near the Wausau area. Okay. Uh, if you go towards, because uh, Wausau is up there. And then if you go from Wausau over to Minneapolis, Eau Claire, Chippewa Falls in that uh, general area. Isn't Eau Claire where Spotted Cow comes from? Uh, yes. And you know what uh, comes out of Chippewa Falls? What? Leinenkugel. Ah, uh, nice stuff. Yes. So, uh, beautiful area. Um, my aunt went to college in Eau Claire uh, years back. Continuing on, this place has been here for 50 years. It was built by a man who later passed away, so... Uh, his wife ran it. It's an eight-plex, and we're on the upper floor with neighbors on both sides. Almost immediately after moving in, my boyfriend and I noticed some strange activity revolving mainly around the bathroom. The bathroom wall is shared by a neighbor, and with the walls being so thin, you can hear just about everything. The activity started with phantom knocking on the bathroom door. Then the door started opening on its own from time to time. My boyfriend sleeps by that door and sometimes he would feel something push him or poke him without without explanation after a few years we started noticing disturbing trends in our neighbor's behavior after they moved into the apartment we share the wall with soon after moving in these guys would start swearing at themselves 
We had six neighbors. If one or two had done that, I could blow it off, but not six. All the plumbing ran on the same wall, so our bathrooms were next to each other. After each person moved in, they'd open the door constantly. The hinges were squeaky, so you could hear every time it would open or close. One neighbor that called himself Wolf seemed particularly affected by whatever was in the apartment. After a while, he started saying, Fuck you, really loud to himself. But it sounded more like, Fuck you. He would stand at the bathroom door, opening it and closing it every few seconds for hours at a time. He never spoke to us very much, but in general, he seemed polite. Behind closed doors, he spoke to himself for hours. He was constantly cussing. Recently, the building changed hands. The new owners decided to fix the place up, so three of the apartments went through demolition. The activity increased until one recent sunny October day. The guys were tearing apart a closet behind a water heater, Covered in cobwebs, they found a secret compartment. Someone had made this where no one goes or puts anything, so it was very well hidden. As they were tearing out the wall, a pornographic video fell out dated 1980. Then very old metal sandbox toys fell out. Everyone present got quiet and weirded out. Then the last item, a serrated knife, tumbles out of its hiding place. Strangely enough... The activity has pretty much ceased since those items were hauled away. No more knocking, pushing, and the door isn't opening on its own. Oddly enough, the neighbor immediately stopped swearing and messing with the door. So, do you think that was used in a crime? That stuff they found? Yeah, I could see that being the case. Or some sort of uh, undocumented crime. Yeah. Um... That so it means a crime's a crime, but I'm saying it may not be necessarily documented. Sure. Um, there's something weird with it. Mm-hmm. Why the hell would you have sand toys and porn tapes and a knife? I don't know. It sounds like the stuff you would buy at Walmart just to freak out the cashier. <laughs> it's all just from the freaking. They're like, oh, what am I going to do with this shit? Oh, let's put it in the wall. <laughs> um, it is. It's like that is a great list of things to freak out the cashier at Walmart with. Except I don't think you could find a porn tape at Walmart. Probably not. You have to go to Family Video for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a million pieces of speculation you could go on as to what that was all about. I'm wondering if all the voices they were hearing were ever actually the voices of their neighbors. Oh. Yeah, you think maybe something tied to those objects? Something tied to those objects, and it's in the building, and it was making itself known to that one apartment, the writer of the story. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't the neighbors making these noise. They're just in their apartments going about their daily life. But they're hearing all these things, and of course the only logical thing you could think of, it's my neighbors. Sure, sure. But maybe it really the neighbors weren't doing shit. Yeah, I could see that. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, because it seems very odd unless all the neighbors are possessed, which I'm not saying is an impossibility here. That's where my mind was going with it. As far as causing all the neighbors to behave the same way, I was thinking it was a possession thing. Sure. And it could be that. It seems like a stretch to have six people possessed. Um, Not saying it can happen, but I'm wondering more so if it's because it was audible. They weren't necessarily seeing the neighbors doing these actions they're just hearing them um and obviously we've heard plenty of stories of sounds coming from things where nothing was going on Mm -hmm. um i'm wondering if that's more so the case here 
Could be. I know. It's creepier to think of all the neighbors being possessed. <laughs> yeah. That really does make for a better story. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in. It's almost like a, <laughs> like a Stepford wifeish in a sort of way where everyone's like kind of in their own little weird zone. Yeah. You know? Uh, Louise writes in, hi, Tony and Jenny. I'm writing from England and have been listening for about 10 months. Love the show. Absolutely loads of weird stories to tell, but we'll start with this one. In 1962, my uh, Aunt Annie and Uncle Stan welcomed his brother and wife from Canada for a visit. My Uncle Stan was apparently a lot shorter than his brother, which he was made fun of a lot for. Numerous photographs were taken the first day of the two brothers, including one of them both holding up a plank of wood as my uncle was repairing his shed. This just made it even more obvious how big the height difference was. They all sat down to a meal in the evening and were happy and relaxed when suddenly and tragically my Uncle Stan suffered a heart attack and later died. The family was heartbroken. Eventually his brother and wife flew back to Canada. Two months later my Aunt Annie received a phone call from Uncle Stan's brother's wife. She said she had the photographs developed from their visit and something wasn't right with the photos. My Uncle Stan wasn't on any of them. This spooked everyone, but my Auntie Annie asked for them to be sent over anyway. When I was a kid in the 1980s, my uh, auntie used to show me the photos. The strangest one was of the two brothers holding the plank. Stan's brother was holding his hand above his head, holding one end of the plank. The plank goes down to nothing. All the photos gaps where my auntie says my uncle should be. In the gap, it looks fuzzy, but still completely see-through. My auntie always used to say his spirit died before he did. That's why he's not in the photographs. I was so scared to have my photos taken for years in case I never appeared. Thank you for reading my story. I'll write in again soon. Okay, my mind immediately went to Back to the Future. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. And I'm not trying to make fun. No, no. But no. That's, that's my frame of reference. McFly's disappearing. Uh, or was it uh, was it Doc? It was both. No, I think it was the the McFly family. Okay, yeah. yeah. I'm. You know, we talked about this a little bit the other night where I I said you know I think in some cases and the thing is nothing like it was like in a car accident previous to their trip uh, or anything. But I I think that that sometimes if if we are injured or something and we're about to die and our body knows it and our spirit knows it, we're gone before maybe we physically die. This is quite a stretch where he's physically taking a trip and having dinner and holding planks and interacting. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of, I guess, along those lines. I'd be more interested to hear why the aunt says his spirit died before he did. What, what, yeah. what does that mean? I don't know. That was kind of strange. That's interesting right there. Because um, when the picture was taken, they were happily sure. working on what they were working on with the wood. Yeah. I think there's more to the story that, that maybe even the writer here doesn't know about. Okay. Behind, I, But it'd be interesting if he can get that information. Mm-hmm. I, 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 that's the key I want to find out more about is what does the aunt mean by his spirit died before he did? Because that, that may lead to some of those answers as best as we can answer how someone physically disappears from a photograph. You yeah. Know? So, 855-853-4802. Laura writes in, 
I have two stories to share. The first is in reference to a dialogue you had on the podcast the other day. You talked about going to look at houses that are for sale to see if any radiated a paranormal sensation or energy. My husband and I were house shopping several years ago, and we happened to go into what appeared to be a lovely Victorian home in Newark, Ohio, located in the historical district of our little town. As we entered, we both experienced a heavy feeling as we walked about checking out the rooms, a feeling of unease increased. I grew more and more anxious and felt as though something were lurking in the walls. Could not wait to get out of this house. I was surprised that my rational husband felt the same way. We did not speak of this as we went through the house, but once free of the realtor, we both shared that same feeling that something was in that house. Oddly, a couple years later, I read about houses on that part of the street being haunted as a result of the 1942 flight of a B-25 which killed six people, including residents of a building it struck. The second story has to do with, uh, with what may be either a shadow person or a hallucination. I've not experienced either of these before this event, and to this day I have no idea how to categorize it. I was in a hospital and had gotten up during the night to use the bathroom. When I turned to leave, I saw what appears to be a window open in the space in front of me. And in that space stood a shadow person. It stood before me, solidly black, no features, and appeared to be facing me. I was stunned and amazed that even after several blinks, it remained in my path almost as suddenly as it opened in front of me. The window or portal closed and the shadow person was gone. I believe I was not hallucinating because nothing else occurred and my cognition and perception seemed otherwise intact. However, I did share this with a psychiatrist the next day to make sure that I was not in a more fragile state than I imagined. He did not appear to have any concern over this and neither confirmed this was a hallucination nor provided me an alternate explanation. Consequently, it wasn't until I started hearing of the reported shadow people that I began to wonder. Hmm. Anyways, thanks. Well, I don't know about the shadow person part, but I find it very interesting that she felt so strongly in that house only to find out that that was very, very near a tragedy. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it, if she is able to trace back or if she you know, did try and trace it back further to see if that house actually was one of the damaged homes Yeah. to really narrow that in. I mean, number one, old house. There's a lot of things that could have happened there. Sure. But uh, to have something like that where it's a very sudden type thing and that seems to, to bring out the, I don't want to say darkness, but just the, the sadness it would be, I think, the right term even more. Yeah. So, very interesting. Uh, 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi. Hi, Tony. Hi, Jenny. This is uh, Jeff up the road in Topeka. Um, I have to start by saying I love your show. I just recently came to EPT, and I'm looking forward to listening to the new episodes. Um that's interesting. I was always been interested in ghosts, even as a little kid. I used to, used to read every single ghost book I could get my hands on, and uh, always fascinated with the subject, although I'd never seen a ghost. Um, I mean, even up where uh, my kids were little, and Ghost Hunters was on, we'd gather around a TV, turn off all the lights, and have ghost night. Uh, still never had an experience, and I was kind of glad thinking I couldn't be a ghost hunter, because if I ever saw a ghost, I'm sure I'd run out the building like a little two-year-old, but all that changed about three years ago. We bought a uh, Victorian home here in town. It's an old neighborhood of old Victorian homes. One, at least one of the houses known to be haunted. If you look up 
haunted houses in Kansas, it always appears. And I thought, well, if there's any time I'm going to see a ghost, it'd be in this house. And like a lot of older homes, it's had a lot of deaths, uh, a lot of births. I got conferred at least two deaths in the house. Newspaper story said a lawyer back in the 20s died of a fit of apoplexy. And then in, uh, in the 80s, uh, one of the owners fell down the front stairs and died. Uh, anyway, the, the house was always felt comfortable. I walked to the house at night, not a, a single tinge of fear or feeling like someone was watching me. And uh, After about three or four months living here, my wife said, uh, I had a really weird thing happen to me today. She was rinsing dishes off in the kitchen. Turned around and saw a man standing next to the basement door. And he looked just as real as uh, you and I. He was an older guy with longer gray hair. She described him as having khaki pants and loafers and a, a light blue button-down shirt, and he was just looking at her. And it scared her so bad. I mean, her first thought wasn't that this guy was a ghost. This was a guy in her house. And she went to reach for a knife, and when she turned around, he was gone. And she related the story to me as, thank God it was just a ghost, because she was really fear, fearful she was going to be attacked. It seemed to be uh, extremely nuts a lot. I told her I would be freaking out, but... Uh, she seemed to take it in stride. My middle daughter said, yeah, she'd seen the same guy next to the basement door. Did the same thing with her, looked at her, and disappeared. And she also related she saw a woman in the attic. And uh, it just always uh, perplexed me that both my daughter and my wife just took that as a in stride. Um, and a sister-in-law who was staying over, she was in the house by herself, downstairs watched TV. And she heard her name called two or three times from upstairs, cleared the bell, and it was clearly inside the house. She knew she was alone, but she went upstairs, didn't see anything, got a really weird feeling, and left and, and uh, sat outside in the uh, patio till we got home, said so she was never going to stay in the house by herself. Even after all that, the house always felt extremely comfortable to me, um, not a tinge of fear again, uh, until it was about a year ago, a year and a half ago, I was laying in bed, and for some reason I got up in the middle of the night, about 2.30, I remember looking at the clock going, oh, I gotta get up tomorrow. What time is it? Oh, 2.30. So I knew I was absolutely awake. I saw this misty figure come from our bathroom. And it was kind of amorphous shape, but it had a, a human figure type, but you know, no distinguishing features. And it floated out, life-size, floated out, came across the bed, and it was kind of shimmering, and then crossed the room and went into our closet. And uh, despite knowing well, how fearful I am or something like that, it, it didn't scare me at all. Uh, all I thought was, that is weird. What, what in the world is that? I was just sort of perplexed with what that could be. Uh, so I got up and looked in the closet and there wasn't anything there. Uh, and that was about a year ago. We haven't had anything since. I think maybe just the uh, old owners who were checking in to see who bought the house and got their approval, then they receded it back into wherever they go. So that's my story. I enjoy your show, and I'll, I'll keep listening. Bye. Thanks for uh, calling in and sharing your story with us. That kind of is what it sounds like, exactly what he said at the end there. It sounds like it's very possibly just the old owners. You know, they, they had a, a passion for their home and uh, just kind of keeping tabs on it. Yeah. You know, I think if, if you spend any time in, in, in a building or, or something that you care about for a long period of time, um, and then it, you know, essentially becomes a big part of your life and you pass on there. And, uh, if you're still have the option, I guess, of being a ghost in the area, you probably still 
and make sure whoever's taking it over is is taking care of it as much as you. Yeah. yeah. So if we're here for a long time, I'm gonna haunt this house and freak the hell out of people. Well, we shows put up. so much into this house as far as making it ours, and in a short period of time too. Yeah. So I'm, you know, and if we if we're here for, you know, twenty, thirty more years, uh, or longer in this very house, I, you know, I'm sure we're gonna be doing many, many, many more things to it too. Yeah, I agree. You know, so it's, uh, I could see haunting a house like this. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to leave this house even in death. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Someone uh, will be listening to this audio many years from now, going, "Oh my God." I think I just got the golden key of why the house is haunted. The Brewskis are haunting our house. And they said they were going to do it all those years ago. Yep. <laughs> Hi, you're on the show. Hi, Tony and Jenny. Uh, this is Jill. I've written in before. Um, I used to work at a funeral home. Uh, anyways, I want to share a couple more stories from my funeral home experience. Uh, one of them being when I was working, um, it was very, it, there was nobody else in the building. And so it was very quiet. And all of a sudden, I heard in, um, we had an extra room where we, you know, kind of like a janitor's closet, where we kept the risers, the things we put the flowers on, we call them risers. And anyways, I heard jangling in that room like someone was going through the risers looking for a particular size or something. So I knew I was the only one there. At first, I was a little nervous because obviously you think somebody's in the building or, you know, my thought at the time was zombies because, yeah, my greatest fear, and yet I worked at a funeral home. So anyways, I plucked up enough courage. I said, I've got to go through who's in there or what's in there because, you know, we don't want any uh, people in the building when the funeral director's not there. So anyways, I got up, went right to the room, checked no one was there um i'm hoping that maybe when the funeral directors had put the risers in there that maybe they were just unsteady and fell over but it was just a really nerve-wracking to hear that noise another time too uh was when my dad and brother were over there cleaning the carpets uh the thing is my dad has his own carpet cleaning service and my brother was helping him out and I was still on the clock for work at the time, so I was busy um, working on, you know, funeral cards or obituaries, those kind of things. So I was in my office, and my brother was in the room next to my office uh, vacuuming, and he had his headphones in. And my dad was all the way on the other side of the building, and it was a very big building. My dad was on the other side of the building in the... Um, viewing room, the casket room you want to call it, um, where they have the wake, and he was um, cleaning the carpet. Well, anyways, um, my brother opened the door to my office and he said, "Uh, Joe, did Dad call me? And I said, what do you mean? He said, I I heard Dad yelling for me. And I said, no, I didn't hear anything. Well, anyways, um, I was curious, and it was kind of strange that my brother actually thought that he heard my dad hollering for him, you know, over the din of him having, you know, the noise of the vacuum and him having his headphones in. So we both walked into the uh, big room and asked my dad, I said, uh, you know, dad, are you calling for Gary? And he said, no, I've just been 
working on the room. So it was, it was kind of strange that my brother thought he heard my dad yelling for him. Again, it could have been a coincidence, but it was kind of strange. Uh, finally, I'm going to share another story. Uh, my husband, actually, he saw a ghost. Uh, what happened was he was uh, living in New Jersey at the time, and he was at his aunt's house, um, just downstairs, laying on the couch, I guess sleeping over. Well, anyways, um, he woke up in the middle of the night to find a bicyclist bicycling through the living room. And he said, I knew it was a ghost because I felt the coldness hit my face. And we kind of laugh about it. He said, maybe they were just going on for going out for a midnight ride. So anyways, those are my stories. And I love your show. And I hope to hear more. Bye. Wow, that's, that's beyond just your normal ghost story to see somebody as a bicyclist riding through your living room is the bicycle a ghost too that's where it's interesting when you get the objects in there Ooh, i don't know you know that's where like that always baffles me is when people have the ghost stories and it's involving objects that have been taken on as well you know are you gonna take your headphones and microphone with you i am i'm gonna i'll be walking around and doing a show as like this sounds like a radio or something <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the hell that is. So there you go. Uh, 855-853-4802. That's the phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. And that wraps up our show for the day. I'm going to take a sip of water here. Would you like to invite them to be EPPs while I do that? Yes. Uh, now is the chance to become an EPP and catch up on all the extra episodes and the short film that we did, Spirits in the Air. So yeah. you take it from there now that you're done. Okay, there you go. Yeah, you get uh, all the uh, previous EVP episodes, uh, 11 of them now, and then you get the new ones every single week, five bucks a month for all that, and uh, the video content and the satisfaction, and as I say, the warm and cuddly feeling of knowing you are supporting the show and keeping it on the air. We are a fan-supported show, so thank you to all of our uh, great EPPs who are, in fact, supporting it. Uh, if you're not one yet, please consider becoming one and, uh, and doing just that, keeping us on the air and keeping the show alive. I'm going to go drink more water because I've developed a cough at the end of the show. Have yourself a good one. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski for Real Ghost Stories Online. Toodaloo.